I tell you, everyone is looking for the next winning product. And because it needs a visual explanation, I'm sharing new hot products with in-depth analysis on YouTube. Go to Tech Money Talks on YouTube. However, here's the problem most people have in dropshipping. You need to be willing to test at least 10 products to find success. And each product you're testing, you need to be willing to risk up to $250 in ads to find out if it even sells. That means you would have to risk up to $2,500 in ads with the hopes to find something that sells. Now, what if I could wave a magic wand and remove all the cost of ads and it allows you to test 10 new products? Wouldn't that be amazing? Would you test more products if it was for free? I've been working hard for the past few months and I did just that. And I'm giving it away dirt cheap to the podcast listeners only. I want you to go to dropposting.com slash go. Dropposting.com slash go. Be sure to add the slash go to there because that's where you're going to get this dirt cheap. Go there and find out more information. Hey, everybody. Brian McCumber here with Tech Money Talks. I am really excited today because we have a very special guest on the podcast. We are fortunate to have Raghav as a special guest on the show. And you're in for a real treat because Raghav is one of the youngest, most successful e-commerce entrepreneurs on the planet. By the age of 15, he sold over a million dollars in sales. And when he was 17, he scaled a new store from zero to over a million dollars in 30 days. Now that he turned 18, he's on track to producing eight figures with his e-commerce business. If you're interested in starting an online business to make extra money, you better save this episode in your back pocket and listen to it over and over again because the stories and the tips you're going to learn here will give you the opportunity to quickly launch your own business to help your wallet grow fat. Raghav is absolutely killing it in e-commerce and he was featured in Gary V's Daily V number 462 discussing business. You can watch that on YouTube. Raghav's also been featured in major publications such as Entrepreneur, Huffington Post, and BuzzFeed. Time is money and everyone's looking to get a piece of his time. And I'm so happy to have him on the show today. Raghav, thanks for joining us, man. How's it going? I appreciate it. The intro is nice as well. Thank you for having me on. (laughs) Awesome, man. How'd I do? Did I do okay with that? Yes, you did great. You did great. (laughs) That's great stuff, man. Well, hey, you deserve it for sure, man. I mean... You are a young entrepreneur crushing it, and I see you have a big future ahead of you, and hopefully we get a chance to talk all about it. But before we get started, I just want to give you know, a time perspective. Right now, today is August 27th. You know, as far as the time in the country, you know, we're still going through the, you know, COVID, the global pandemic, you know, things going on with the country, all this kind of stuff. Uh, countries trying to open up for business. So a lot of this stuff's going on. So just to give perspective as far as our conversation and when we're talking. Um, but I would say for the audience, maybe we could take a step back and you could share your journey into e-commerce. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds perfect. 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 Yeah. So, uh, where should I start? Well, I actually got into this whole entire entrepreneur space back when I was 14 years old. Uh, I started growing Instagram pages and, you know, over time after going to pages, I amassed like a total following of a million. So it wasn't like I had one page with a million followers, but I had like, I managed a bunch of pages and over time it added up. So that was kind of like my first taste of how this, all, all this stuff worked. And then I ended up getting into e-commerce dropshipping back in the summer of 2017, I believe. I think it was like the August area. So ended up like first few months are always slow. That's what I've noticed unless you're just really lucky. 
And, you know, it was pretty slow from like the get go. I was always just like trying to find a winning product, wouldn't work out. And then um, I believe it was November, whenever Valentine's came around, I found some really, really nice products. And that's kind of what kicked it off. So I ended up doing about $10,000 my first few months, then 25K in a month. Then I did $100,000 in a month. And you know, I keep in, keep in mind at the time I'm 15. So it's like absolutely insane. I'm doing this. <laughs> yeah. Then, you know, you just keep going and I'm like, why What's happening? So I go from like $3,000 a day to like $10,000 a day to 15. I'm just like, what is this? What is this? Right. And then eventually I get to a point, I believe it was the summer of uh, 2018, wherever I hit a million dollars. And then also I end up going to Gary V's office. Uh, my friend, Deshaun took me there. So it was a very really nice experience the whole entire year overall. Uh, then we get to 16 years old. So I wasn't like kicking it like 15K a day and whatnot. You know, I was still doing okay, like 50 to 100K a month. But uh, then like the real kicker came in at 17. So I ended up taking a store, a brand new, started it on day one. And we hit a million dollars in exactly 30 days, a little bit less than that, I think. And wow. yeah, the whole store ended up doing multiple millions. And that was basically the entire journey. I would say it's, it's not like I came from like super, super slums to super successful. But there were a lot of hard, hard things along the way. But overall, it's totally worth it. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's awesome, man, for sure. Yeah, I'd say props to you. And, uh, you know, it raises so many questions. And I'd say let's even uh, dive into some of the deeper things. Yeah. One being, um, and I know this because we have a, a, a young audience. And I even had, you know, previous guests that were that started when they were under 18. So I was wondering if you could speak to that, like, uh, what did you have to do to be able to, you know, to run your e-commerce business being under 18? Yeah, yeah, that's super, super important. Because like, since I just turned 18, I thought I like I knew everything. I thought like, I'm over the mountain, I'm good to go, I'm set. And then I find out there's like credit cards, bank accounts, like you can use your social security for stuff, you have a passport. I'm finding out all these things at 18. So when you're under 18, you really have it easy because all you need to do is get your parents' info and then you can actually operate your business under them. But like, you know, it's them who's doing it. So I would say when you're under 18, because I actually ended up dropping out of high school, public high school at 16, because I feel like it was it was too much of pain. But I would say <laughs> if you're under 18, you should definitely really focus on... I would definitely say really, really focus on just making the most out of it, especially whenever you have that time frame. Because when you're 18, you have to be super independent. You, know, you got to pay rent, bills, all this crazy stuff. And you, you never get taught any of this in school. So not only would you have to learn how to operate a business when you're over 18, but you also have to learn how to actually live at 18. So then you're learning all these things about credit and all this stuff. And then your time, just, it's, just, it's totally gone. You don't have any more time. So if you're under 18, I would really focus on just learning media buying, relearning team infrastructure, uh, just building out all your systems. So whenever you do turn 18, you already have a fully operational business, you know, you have a fully operational system and you're good to go. And then you can spend all your time just learning everything you need to know about adulting. That's awesome. So I think the cool thing is, so you had your parents support as you were running your business. And so you were able to focus on some key aspects of the business from there. Is that how it went? Yeah. Yeah. And that's super important because like at the end of the day, it's all sales. My parents didn't support me at the beginning because think about it it's like 15 year old kid comes up to you hey mom i want to i want to go to aliexpress and sell stuff they're like what no <laughs> right <laughs> so i think a lot of it's just convincing your parents to do it with you and basically mm -hmm. that just requires sales so i maybe read a book or two and uh just really like be raw yeah. with it and be like hey starting this business give me like a month or two uh, let me just show you i can make money and we'll take it from there 
Yeah. Yeah. No, that's cool. Well, I mean, there's some parents like actually I have uh, two boys that are now uh, just turned, you know, 15 and 16. So I can relate to what you're doing, but I, I encourage them to, you know, to start their own, you know, business and get them involved. And we'll sit around the dinner table talking about what products are popping off. And it's kind of a cool thing, but it makes me wonder because I think, uh, you know, where did you get like that fire in the belly to just want to do it independently uh, to get into e-commerce and business? Yeah, that's great. You have two children that are doing that. It's actually really great. A lot of people my age were not on that board. So I think a lot of it was, it was a lot of ego at the beginning. You know, I was always like, Ooh, I can make all this money be the best. But over time I kind of learned just like, it's just a resource, but I'd say the mm-hmm. very, very initial beginning, uh, I kind of, I don't know why I just kind of felt the need to get into Instagram and it just kind of just like developed from there. I think mm-hmm. it's more of once you realize like, Hey, you know, I don't got to work a job anymore and I can make all this money and I can also build teams and learn all these awesome skills. I think from that point, it's just like a self-fulfilling prophecy. You're like just learning and learning and learning. But I don't really think there was like an initial like Kickstarter. I just kind of did it, you know, but yeah, yeah. there was anything yeah. super major that was like, I have to do this, but yeah. And, and let's even uh, like dive back to that because I think, you know, I think it's important, like, you know, people outside looking in when they, when they hear about this amazing success and uh, you know, there's great opportunity, especially for people that work it, but like, you know, was it an easy, like get rich quick overnight success or did you have to work it? Like describe the very beginning, how you figured things out. Yeah, yeah. So at the very beginning, like 2017, 2018, if I could like go back in time with all the stuff I know now, back then <laughs> I'd probably like quadruple how much I made or even 10x, right? But wow. uh, I wouldn't say it's necessarily easy because, you know, you, it's, it's, it's simple to make money. You just got to, it's like once you figure out how to make systems, how to build out a team, how to actually run ads properly, how just everything works, then you can just launch stores, launch for launch stores, and it just keeps working. But at the very initial phase, I think this is where like a lot of people screw up because they they feel demotivated. They uh, they don't really know what they're doing because there's so much knowledge everywhere. It's all on the internet. It's all on YouTube. It's all on Instagram. You hear 50 different people saying 50 different things. And then you yeah. always get confused. You're like, I don't know what to do. Do I do this, this, or this? And then also a lot of uh, younger people, they have a limited budget because they don't have jobs. So um, I would definitely say at the beginning, it's really, really difficult. But once you actually learn it, and you see results, then you'll be like, I got this under control and I can crush it from here on out. Yeah. Yeah. Very well said for sure. And maybe even touch a little bit deeper on that. Like, um, Mm -hmm. you know, what, what kind of budget did you start with and then how did you eventually grow, grow from there? Yeah. Yeah. So I started with $15. So pretty, pretty brutal. (laughs) And then uh, I ended up selling a few of my Instagram pages and it made me like $800 total. So I took it from there. And I don't know how I just kept finding winning products. I guess it's a lot of just about having the eye. And once you're able to locate the first one, you find, okay, the first one, let me try the second one. And once you can find like three or four in a row, you know, you're on track. So I would <laughs> say I sort of with like less than a thousand dollars, but yeah. 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 No, that's cool, man, for sure. And, and actually, so uh, how many products did you have to test? before you started to find like that first winner and then eventually get the eye for picking out uh, winning products. Yeah, yeah. So at the time I started, it was actually pretty easy because there was a Floyd Mayweather versus Conor McGregor fight everyone was freaking out over. So I was thinking, hmm, 
what if I sell a boxing necklace pendant because the spite's big? So it's kind of just like a trend thing. And, you know, I was like one of the first few people to hop on that at the time. So I just started running influencer ads for it back then. And it just yeah. worked really, really well. And then uh, around November, I sold a golden rose, I believe. So it was like a Valentine's product. And then from there <laughs> yeah. on out, I was just kind of picking stuff that like I always felt would work. And then later on, I learned like, okay, there's a criteria for this stuff. And I think that's where a lot of people get lost. They always stick super, super like niche down to this criteria of like this product has to be a problem solver and this, this, and this. So I would definitely say that finding winning products when you're, when you're attempting to do it, getting the eye, usually you, you either have it or you, could, you don't have it. If you have it, don't lose it. <laughs> if you don't have it, then you need to just really, really test as much as you can because you'll uh -huh. learn, okay, this product doesn't work. And then you can like go on your Facebook ads and be like, this like ninja and look at, okay, I have app to cards, but no purchases, blah, 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 blah. And you can learn all these things. So if you're really trying to develop a quote unquote eye to find winning products, it, it really comes down to repetition. It's like swimming or, or running or boxing. You just have to do it over and over again. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Yeah. Very well said for sure. And, uh, and it's all the importance of it. So like, say for the newbie that that's, that's looking, you know, if they didn't, if they didn't find a winner, maybe after the first, you know, handful of products, you know, should they just give up because they, or should they keep trying? Oh, they should give up. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, if you, if you don't find a winning product, your first few times, uh, that happens a lot. It's normal. Um, you just have to really, really do an audit of what you're doing. So I know a lot of people say it's all the product and whatnot. And I, I somewhat agree with that, but you should check literally from the customer's perspective all the way to the top of the funnel. So you should first start on your ads, right? That's what the, the first thing the customer sees. Maybe mm -hmm. your actual Facebook page. I know this is a lot of nitty gritty stuff, but like maybe your actual good. Facebook page doesn't have a logo. I've seen that before. Or your ad copy doesn't have any emojis and it just has wrong spelling, no actual punctuation, nothing. Uh, there's a lot of many issues that could cause a problem. But then, then the most important things are, A, I'd say you're creative. If you don't have an engaging video, it doesn't matter how good your product is. No one's going to go to the site, actually. So you need to make sure you have a good creative. And then there's a lot of options where you could like hire someone to make them for you. You can copy paste them. You can make your own videos, whatnot. And then you go to your website. You really have to optimize your landing page. So this is where when you have a bigger budget, you can actually test like the really small things like the fonts, the actual text on the site, like that to cart button. You can change it to buy now. There's so many things you can try, but the most important things would definitely be the product, your video creative and actual the store design. Those are the three most important things I've seen personally. So just really, really make sure that the store theme matches the product you're selling and the creative actually basically works with the product and doesn't make the product look horrible in a sense. If it's a high quality product and you have a really, really bad creative, it has like a 50-50 chance of working. So ideally, you just want to make sure everything's optimized at the get-go, those three things. Yeah, that's yeah. My uh, that's cool, man. Yeah, really good stuff for sure. And uh, let, let's even talk about like strategies. So I know, yeah. you know, people fall within like either a single product store or a niche store or maybe even a general store. Well, what's been your approach that you've been doing? Yeah, so I've tried all three of them because I was like on YouTube all the time back then. <laughs> I was like watching everyone go through all these different stores. I was like, wait, which one's the best? Yeah. Um, if, I'm, if I'm being 100% honest here, it really depends on the product. Like if you think about it, back then in 2017, if you were selling fidget spinners, it wouldn't make sense to put it on a general store. You'd make like a fully fleshed out one product store with like a landing page and everything. 
because it was such a new product at the time. But if yeah. you're going to try to sell a fidget spinner now, it doesn't make sense to make a whole new store for it when you probably know it's going to flunk. Uh, another example would be like the really small type of like $10, $15 items. It wouldn't make sense to make a one product store for them unless you're really, really confident it's going to work. So mm-hmm. I'd say a lot of the most of the products fall in the general store category. But if you're really confident, go for a niche store. But if you're full blown on like this product's going to work and I want to maximize the chances for it to work, then a one product store. And I'd say one of the best strategies I've heard is test on a general or a niche store. And then when you find like a really, really good winning product, you just move it to a one product store because uh, one product stores really optimize your conversion rate and general stores really, really make it easy to test. So those yeah. are the two differences I'd say. Yeah. A niche was kind of like that nice middleman. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've kind of feel the same way as like, you know, with a general store, you can quickly test, get an eye for it. And between a, a single product or a niche, um, you know, you could plug, you can take, you know, some of the winners you identify in the general store, plug it into your niche and then really leverage, you know, the pixel that you have that that's kind of building upon your niche. So now you're building, you know, more into that, which, uh, which seems pretty cool. So that's, yeah, really awesome. So ho- hopefully the audience is, is catching that for sure. And uh, yeah, yeah. actually with the audience listening, there's, there's a mixture of, um, you know, there's, there's experience, uh, people, and then there's also newbies. And I'd say, that's why I always say, you know, these, these are parts of the episode that you want to re-listen to over again, uh, because you're going to, you're going to be at a different level. And then now when you come back and listen, you're like, you know, yeah, that's what he was talking about. Uh, which, <laughs> which is really cool. Um, you know what, uh, I'm actually curious about, I wanted to hear the story about, uh, how, how did you meet Gary V and then that whole story and going there? What was that, that whole experience like? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I agree with everything you said. And as for Gary V, man, so when I started, Gary V was like this massive inspiration for me. Um, so I had a really, really good friend I've known for numerous years. His name is Ishan Goel. It's at Ishan S. Goel on Instagram. He's a really good friend of mine. And basically, he kind of just messaged me one day. He was like, hey, you want to go see Gary Vee? And I'm like 15 at the time. I'm like, yeah. So we <laughs> yeah. ended up flying over to New York. We stayed in, I think it was a really, really nice hotel. And then he, I thought he was bluffing, right? I thought it was a joke. And then he's like, okay, let's, let's get an Uber and go to Gary Vee's. I'm like, oh, yeah, sure. Gary Vee. So we drive <laughs> to Gary Vee's office. And I was like thinking, okay, this can't be Gary Vee's office. We go inside the building. And like, there's this like clerk who's like, welcome to VaynerMedia. I'm like, you actually took us to Gary V. Are you serious? <laughs> so we ended up going to like the top floor. His office, really, really nice. Like there's there's literal dispensers for like drinks I've never even heard of before. So it's a really, really cool office. And wow. you know, we got to see like a lot of things happen there. And then basically uh, we went into his actual office. Like originally we were meeting up with uh, one of his workers or one of his, I think it was like partners, uh, Tyler. We were meeting up with him. And we ended up going inside the office and actually like had an interaction with Gary Vee. And basically, Ishan was just like recording the whole thing. He was there to ask him some questions and I was just kind of tagging along. So, yeah. And then apparently he ended up using me for the thumbnail and like had a little picture <laughs> yeah. in it. So it's just really yeah. cool to see because it's not unexpected, you know, like out of the probably, I don't know, dozens of people he met that day. So, yeah. And the only mistake I made there is he held up the five and I was so excited. I grabbed the five. <laughs> So if, if you're a major follower of Gary V, you know, never touch the five. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's like the full story. And then like we walked out there and I was like, we actually met Gary V. Yeah, that's awesome, man, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Did yeah. you get a did you get a chance to like tell him your journey, like what you've been working on, stuff like that? No, we were so crunched on time. I wish I did, but um, really? I didn't get a chance to tell him that. 
So yeah. wish I did though. Uh, yeah. When I do see him again, now I can tell him what else I've done. So maybe, oh, yeah. maybe it happened for yeah. that purpose. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I can see a future. I mean, you're crushing it now and definitely it's going to, it's going to hit his radar and uh, he's going to bring you back and you're going to be able to say, remember back and he'll, he'll pull up that episode. So, and then he'll get really awesome stuff. The five. <laughs> <laughs> Why'd you touch the five? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's going to remember that for sure. Oh, this is awesome for sure. Yes, yes. Well, you know what? You know, um, and there's one question that I wanted to ask. And I've been, I've asked, you know, previous guests, especially around this time, you know, during COVID, there's a lot of people, they lost their job. They're, and they're looking to get in, into to starting an e-commerce business. And, um, and you know, really, there's never been a better time to do it. I mean, it's just, you know, things are, are popping off. So uh, the question uh, is like this. It says, imagine you had a couple thousand dollars to your name. And in these current times, if you had to start all over again, but knowing what you know now, what would you do over the next 30 days to start a business that would actually make money and explain why? Yeah, so there was a great quote by, I think it was Abraham Lincoln, it's something about like, if you're going to cut down a tree and you have seven hours or something, spend the first six sharpening the ax. So yeah, that's yeah. the first thing I'd do. I'd actually do a crash course. Like I have in my notes and in my folders, just like everything I've learned, like a nice overview. I have like mind maps and like all this stuff. I'd first go and, and basically learn as much as I could because I already have all the information here. I would just make sure that I understand everything I've learned in the past. And if I only like, uh, give me like an exact amount, like maybe two, 3,000. Is that pretty reasonable? 2,000, yeah. Got it, got it, yeah. So the first thing I do is actually probably go into like my Facebook feed or my Instagram feed. I've known, because obviously if you have $2,000, you could use like AdSpy, which is like a spy tool. You could use tools like that, Ecom Hunt. There's a lot of tools out there. But if you're really trying to maximize it, just use the free stuff out there you already have. So literally go into AliExpress, browse in there. There's tools like comma feed where it actually collects stores for you. So you can add all like the stores that are crushing it. You can add their domains in there. And basically it'll show you all the new products they're adding. And then you can audit those and pick the best ones. Um, but yeah, I, honestly, I just go through my Facebook feed, just find ads in there. Cause you can already see what's working. And then there's all this weird stigma around, Oh, this product's so saturated. It's like, it's like saying toilet paper saturated. It's, it doesn't work <laughs> like that. There's 2 billion people on Facebook. Nothing's ever going to be like saturated. I can't tell you the amount of times I've seen a product from like 2016 or 2017 come back to life. So I really go through the feed and just see what's working. And the hardest part I'd say is picking between the products. And I probably spend like two, 300 per product, like the most, maybe 100, 200 if you're being conservative. So that's what I'd probably do. And then obviously a lot of the factors depend on the person's situation. A lot of people work better with one product stores because they're so good at making funnels and creatives versus some people that just really, really work fast. They can copyright quick. So then a general store makes more sense for them. But generally speaking, because I know it's a very broad audience, different situations, different people, I would definitely say just really focus on finding the best possible products you can and just really look for things that are, first of all, working right now. Obviously, you don't want to go test a fidget spinner. It's not going to work. But really go look for things that are working right now. Look at things that have a wow factor. So you don't want to sell like a typical charging cable because it's not going to work. But then you, if you find like this crazy like I don't even know what they're called. It's like a Kevlar infused, like these crazy like charging cables. Zach has a chance of working. Probably, I probably wouldn't test that. Disclaimer, don't, don't go test that, please. But um, <laughs> so yeah, always look for things that have a wow factor that are recently working. 
And I'd say, I'd say a really, really good thing you can look for is either they have a really, really useful utility because everything has a utility, let's be honest here, or they solve a nice problem. Uh, don't choose like the weirdest niche you can of like grandmas with cats that puke everywhere. I don't know. But yeah, so those are the three things I'd focus on. Uh, don't take them too to heart. Don't be like, okay, this product has to fit in all three of these criteria. Otherwise, I'm not going to test it. Really just kind of use your intuition and just kind of look for things that'll work. It's hard to explain. Once you kind of like get this eye, you just kind of know what's going to work before you test it. So like you can look at a product and be like, that's not going to cut it. I need something better. And you can look at a product and be like, that's it. That's you, Junior. Let's go. Let's go. Come on. So that's what I, that's my advice to everyone. Oh, cool, man. Yeah, for sure. And uh, it actually has me uh, curious because I've, I've, I've seen you mention. So when building out, so say a funnel, like you mentioned a funnel, do you do you use click funnels or do you use like uh, some of the uh, uh, apps to add into your Shopify store? Yeah. So funnels, uh, when I do say funnels, I guess you could use click funnels. Personally, I've never been a fan of it. I feel like it takes way too long. Uh, one thing I do like to do is you can actually use like pre-built themes. So over time I've like accumulated all these Shopify themes. So uh-huh. you can kind of tailor things to a product. So if you're selling like this really high end, like luxury backpack or this wallet or something, you'd use like a nice slick black theme or something because it just yes. fits the feel of the product. But if you're selling like, I'm trying to think of an example, if you're selling, like I've seen these like cat bowls, they're like a little bit elevated because cats, they have like this like reflex that makes them throw up. So if you're selling something like that, maybe you'd use like a red app to car, things like that. So when you're really building out a funnel, quote unquote, uh, mm-hmm. what I mean by that, it could just be a simple product page, like on a general store. So you optimize it by using like gifts on the page. You could use images. You could really uh, copy. You could find other sites that are selling the product and then you could copy paste what they're using and just change it up and mix and mash different uh, basically copyrights. Uh, that's what you could do. Or uh, if you're actually going for like the, I want to build a funnel, then if you really don't even want to use a one product store, which has like the image on the right image left and like that format, if you don't even want to use that, then you could use ClickFunnels or like Shogun or one of those landing page builders. Personally, I feel like that takes just way too long. So if you really want to build like a nice funnel, just go use a one product store and the conversion rate on there is really, really nice. So yeah, yeah, and then um, there's also like a lot of the nitty gritty things, such as using like a one page checkout, like inner cart or cart hook or Zipify pages, whatever, whatever. Oh, so mm-hmm. you, there's, there's so many of these different tiny niche variables, but just really focus on a making sure that like basically all the landing pages there for is when you get the person so intrigued in, in the product, like they're browsing their Facebook, looking at dog photos, they see your product, they're like, I gotta get this. This is, this is really great. They go to yeah, your product yeah. page, it just has to kind of answer their concerns, really just like amplify what they saw. So like teeth widening is a great example, like Snow, Josh Snow, he does this really, really yeah. well compared to all like the other dropshipping stores out there. All your landing page there is there for is to convince the customer to enter their credit card information or their PayPal and press buy. That's all it's there for. So just make sure you really focus on benefits. You really focus on an FAQ page. So you can go to like Amazon, you could look at the actual reviews and then you can see, okay, this person had a problem with this. This person also had this problem. Let's go ahead and answer this on either the creative <laughs> or on the actual, yeah. actual site. And once yeah. you do these tiny little things like that, like the color, the fonts, when you really just make it look all good overall and really compare it to big authorities in your niche, that's whenever you're like good to go, basically. So yeah. That's my yeah. No, that's really good. And hopefully the audience, you caught on to that. And I think this is the part that you should 
re-listen to over again, you know, especially for the apps that he mentioned, but then also some of these uh, techniques. So like, you know, what he, what Ragav's describing is that, you know, if you're, if you're covering all your bases to make it as easy as possible, as straightforward, no distractions, and you display, you know, trust, credibility, answer all their questions. So if you made everything so easy and covered all your bases, they have nothing to do but click that buy button. And I think that's what uh, that's what you just described there for sure. And uh, that's awesome. That's the name of the game right there. Exactly. And, uh, exactly. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> you laid it out for sure. And you know what? It has me curious um, because, uh, man, you picked, you know, you picked up a lot. So what do you do to keep yourself on the edge, you know, of, of the latest stuff and techniques and and things like that? Yeah, so it really comes down to a lot of systems, flywheels and bottlenecks. So I know it's a little, little more advanced stuff. So it really, if, if I'm being honest, what my goal is, is to have like a team here that just picks out hundreds of products per week. And we're just testing them like on rapid fire every like either we're creating stores or just testing things as fast yeah. as possible. I'm not quite there yet just because I just turned 18. So I have like, I'm like unknown to the world. So that's the ideal goal to be on top of everything. Yeah. But for being honest, just the people I follow on Instagram and whatnot, it's just, it builds like this network basically where I can go view their Instagram stories and I'm on to like the latest trend because they're doing all the work for me. They're going on to like Forbes or whatever. They're going through like all these different things that are happening in the world and I can just see exactly what's going on. And then also um, I did mention like the tool comma feed. That's a great one. Ad spy is a great tool. If you have enough funds to get it, it's like $150 per month. Yeah. Uh, basically it has a database of every single ad ran on Facebook from I think like a few years back. So it's pretty insane. Um, yeah. But that's what a lot of it involves. And then a lot of what I mean by that is once you, it's a lot about flywheels, right? It's about what you input. So there's like four different sections. Basically section one is, find a winning product and that leads to make a lot of money, which leads to reinvesting back into a product, which then leads into finding more winning products. And you just have this like massive flywheel that just keeps speeding up over and over again. And it's like a boulder rolling down a hill. And there's also the opposite, which is a negative flywheel where you have like fail at a winning product, lose money, get demotivated, don't find winning products. And then you're just going backwards basically. So it just really involves a lot of just being really logical. Like when you're, when you're picking products, be emotional and actually really just, look at the product for what it is and determine if it's going to work. But when you're testing it, you have to be ruthless. You got to be just logical. Look at the stats, be like, all right, this didn't work for this reason. Either let's tweak it or just find a new product until we leave it and just revamp the store or whatever. But that's what I'd say a lot of being on top of trends involves just being, just following the right people, A, uh, two, using the right tools if you can afford them. Like comma feed is free, uh, ad spy is paid. And then number three is just really not getting demotivated. I'd say those are the three biggest things. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. That's some serious value there. And I, I like your analogy of the flywheel. Um, cause I mean, that, that lays it out for sure. And, you know, basically what you're describing, you know, what you're heading towards, you know, you're, just, you're speaking the language of a lot of the other, you know, previous great guests that I've had on, on the show, John X Paul being one of them. I mean, he's testing a oh, hundred yeah. products uh, a week and, you know, he's, you know, speaking the same language, you know, having systems in place, you know, being able to test and just kind of crank through uh, over and over again. Um, so for the audience, hopefully you're picking up on that, is that uh, Raghav is uh, systematizing things, thinking things through and uh, not letting, uh, you know, distractions or even failures, you know, stop them. You just kind of, you know, test, learn and move on uh, to the next one for sure. 
Um, man, great stuff. <laughs> great stuff. As far as building a team, maybe even talk about that uh, with the audience. So maybe, you know, dig a little deeper. What is, what does it mean to you? Like, you know, building the team, you know, for your business. Yeah. Yeah. So I've learned from a lot of really great people on this. One of the biggest people I learned about team building is Luke Delmar, Luke Delmar on Instagram. Great guy he knows a lot. He's, he's crushing it. So I'd say when it comes to team building, the first thing is whenever you're starting off, you're not going to have like onboarding processes. You're not going to have like upper heads, like head of customer service who's going to train everyone else. You're not going to have that. So I'd really focus on a few like main aspects and just do the rest yourself when you're starting out. So whenever you're initially starting out, you're not going to have much money. So either hire like one pretty like cheap Philippine, probably like customer support rep that does like a little bit of work per day because you're not going to have that many emails. But when you're starting out, honestly, you could probably do everything yourself. I remember when I started out, I was like answering my own emails. I was fulfilling my own orders. It was crazy. Like I even remember I was doing like $15,000 per day and I was fulfilling all the orders. So like I was inside <laughs> of like Dropify, just like pressing fulfill for like uh-huh. 10 hours straight. And it was insane or like five hours, I didn't even know. But um, yeah, so whenever you're starting off, you can probably do everything yourself. When you get to like a few thousand per day, you'll have that room to probably start off with the customer support rep and maybe someone who does your fulfillment for you. Maybe you can move to like a free PL or you can get your own inventory. A lot of things you can do there, which involves projection and, and all that like other stuff, supplier issues, communication, all that. Um, and then you should probably start off by getting... And then over the time, you can get like a media buyer. You can get someone who actually optimizes your conversion rate developers. You can get on, I'm trying to think who else we'd bring on. You can get a project manager, operations manager. You can have like this whole entire infrastructure. Like how I think of it is Jeff Bezos, who just hit a $200 billion net worth. He has this crazy system where it's like you have a Philippine rep and then like they have three people above them. And then if they somehow screw up, like an issue really needs to get a corporate it goes to the USA now. And then you have like the same chain where it's like a rep. You got three people above them. Then you got corporate and then you got Jeff Bezos. So it's like this massive, like 12 people chain before anything even gets to Jeff Bezos. So just really think of it, how the big companies think of it. I know it's weird because we're all small business owners. We're not like, we don't have a billion dollar net worth, but just really look at it, how they do it and just really do that. But on a minuscule sale. So you don't even have like 12 people. You can have like maybe two or three people where you have like, two customer support reps just going at it. And then if an issue needs escalation, then you have an escalation rep. And then if the escalation rep can't handle it, then it goes to the project manager. And then if they just can't handle it, then it goes to you. So yeah, I'd really focus on at the get-go, just get a few customer support reps, just really train them. And then over time, you can actually escalate them and move them up the ranks while you just hire more people that they can train for you. So it's just a lot about having systems in place, basically. It's a a skill you'll gather over time, I'd say. It's, It's like, it's kind of like working out, you know, you learn how to do it over time. And then yeah. as for training, never train people over text. I, I learned this on um, like some YouTube channels. Always call them because <laughs> um, if you train <laughs> someone over text, they just won't know what they're doing and then they'll screw up a lot. So always yeah. call them. I know like, because um, personally, I hate calls. I just hate them. Uh, not this call, but I always hate calls. <laughs> yeah. So uh, just always call your reps. And that's a lot of like nitty gritty things, but just really focus on just having like a level of hierarchy. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. A pretty nice team over time, and then each store also needs an individual team, and then you yeah. can recycle. Yeah, I found that doing like the training videos, like I would have videos and just kind of stored, you know, for the different tasks and mm-hmm. onboarding of, of new people seemed to work pretty well to avoid the calls or trying to <laughs> text and explain. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, man, yeah this is cool stuff. 
agree. I agree. Yeah. Glad you're doing that. It's actually a really good alternative as well. Having SOPs and like recording all your team calls, putting them into Google Drive or whatever. Like, yeah. Task. Yeah. And sharing them. And then your entire new staff has access to everything you guys have done in the past. Yeah. So, it, it becomes a training library that, that you end up building that, you know, that follows your system because your system's different than mine and so on. But like, exactly. it should be because you're building your own team in your own way. Um, but it's just like, you know, yeah, I'd say definitely you know, record those, uh, those training sessions that, that hit those specific points and share those. Exactly. With, uh, it makes onboarding of, of new people uh, a lot easier. And for the audience listening, uh, you know, you should be picking up on that. One is, you know, part of building your team. And, uh, you know, it goes back to like business one-on-one project management and, you know, having a methodology in place and, uh, um, as, as a business owner, as you're getting started, you know, you're wearing all the hats of your business, like, uh, like Raga described, uh, but then eventually, you know, you want to start delegating some tasks as your business grows and pretty much, yeah, like you, like you described, it's like customer service would probably be the first hire. Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah. So as long as you have reasonable shipping times, if you have garbage shipping times, then your customer support should be primary one. But if you like have a U.S. fulfillment center and you have like under a week shipping, I've heard people <laughs> that don't even have customer support because their shipping is so quick. Like if someone is emailing, hey, where's my tracking code? They get an email the next like 10 hours. Hey, your order's been shipped. Okay, the ticket's basically closed by that <laughs> point because all your customer yeah. support rep would do is answer the, the, hey, here's your tracking information. And then they message, hey, where's my order? And they get another yeah. notification, hey, your order's out for delivery. They're like, oh, great. And they message again the next day. Hey, where, where's my order? Your order's been delivered. So basically, I think Jeff Bezos said this, the best customer support is no customer support. You want to get to a position where you don't even have to have a support team. Like obviously you should have one in case something happens, but yeah. your goal should be, I should be getting zero emails inside of my like system, like my inbox, uh, the uh, whatever software you're using, like Zendesk or whatnot. Your goal should be to have zero emails in there. So that's that's my advice on that end is. Yeah, yeah, no, very, very good mindset. And uh, thanks for, for sharing that too, because I mean, that's the goal. Customer service, number one, uh, and um, the quality of service. It actually uh, raises a question that I have. So when you're looking at products and then, you know, seeing what type of shipping times that you have, is there a criteria like, you know, what you're going to touch and not touch? Yeah, yeah. So I'd say that's the hardest phase being a beginner because you don't have all these connections and you don't have like options to use different suppliers. So I would say when you're starting off, you can use AliExpress. I know everyone trashes on it. They're like, oh, AliExpress is so bad. But if you have like 10 orders per day, maybe even 20, like you can use AliExpress. It's not an issue. And then you can just really, really be on, on top of customer support. I've had suppliers that deliver orders within like 14 days. And use, for using AliExpress, that's pretty solid. Like I know it's still a little bit slow, but basically if you're beginning, use AliExpress or you can use like one of these different fulfillment options. Like I don't even know, there's so many of them. If you just do some searching on YouTube for what other influencers recommend, you'll find tons of them you can pick from. Uh, but once you get towards like 50, 100, 300, 500 orders per day, I'd recommend actually trying to find a good supplier. So I'd say there's three total ways you can do this. Number one way is if you really have no connections, you're just starting off, you're really like under the grid, just doing your work. Go into Facebook groups and actually ask. Go into as many Facebook groups as you can and say, hey, I'm looking for a supplier, yada, yada, yada. And then whenever you get connected with a supplier, really ask them, how does invoicing work? 
is this going to be tracked? How does the fulfillment work? Do you have like an app that syncs into my store? Just really, really work on understanding how those things work. Because if you ever get screwed over, you have a track record. That's number one thing when you're working with a supplier. Number two is to look at their shipping times and multiply it by two. That's that's the biggest thing I learned. Because if you don't do that and you you heavily rely on like, hey, the supplier said X time and you put it on your store, now your customers are like, where's my product? And you got to explain them, hey, we have the supplier issue this, and the customer doesn't care, right? So whatever shipping time your supplier gives you, multiply by two or even three to be safe, just so you like <laughs> can be good with that time. So if they tell you, oh, it's going to take four weeks, just be like, that could be either true, could take four weeks, or it might end up taking like six, eight, ten weeks, right? So <laughs> that that's the first thing. The second method would be to, if you have a little bit of a network, you can ask around in like different groups, like Discord groups, Telegram groups. You can ask on your Instagram story. You can ask, hey, can someone please link me up with a supplier? I really, I'm, I'm processing X amount of orders per day. And then whatever, whatever, I'll pay you a fee. I don't know. There's so many ways. And the third way I'd say is if you really can't find a supplier that way, or you don't like the ones you find, you can go on Google and find like ShipBob, Dollar Fulfillment, Shopify Fulfillment. You can actually order from Alibaba to a Shopify warehouse or whatever fulfillment service you use. Yeah. And you can use their actual warehouse as a supplier, quote unquote. They do all the shipping and whatnot. They might charge like a little bit extra maybe, but uh, it all it all depends on all the variables. I've seen uh, some people sell like a product, like they even charge $5 for cost of goods and they find it on Alibaba for like $1. And they're like, yeah, what, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, these are the three, three top methods I'd recommend. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And thanks for mentioning that because I mean, especially for the audience of the the newbies listening that, you know, the most common that that you hear uh, like AliExpress and uh, drop shipping products. But when you compare that product to the actual uh, manufacturer that you could find on Alibaba, like, you know, in some cases you could maybe not 10 to one, but it's like seven to one. Like you'll see the, you know, you're probably paying seven dollars on aliexpress or something but you can get it for a dollar on alibaba and um and you, you get that kind of margin so uh and then what we're uh describing is that okay well you make the investment so kind of technically goes outside the realm of dropshipping but you're in e-commerce you found that winner it's worth the investment it's worth taking it to the next level because you know that you have a track record of consistent sales and it's and it's worth making the investment um, really awesome stuff, man. Yeah, this is, this is great for sure. You know, one other question that, uh, that came to mind was like, what has it been like, you know, over the past, like three, four months? So going, you know, cause you've been in business for a number of years now. Um, but going through, through COVID and things like that, you know, how did it kind of change your, your business or, you know, maybe describe what, what happened during these times? Yeah, yeah. So honestly, I'd say not too much change, like as we're speaking right now, because everything's stabilized. But I'd say, you know, back back in like 2018, 2019, it was pretty, pretty stable 2017, you know, it wasn't like anything crazy. Everyone was able to sell products, no problem. And then, you know, around January, February, we're all expecting Chinese New Year's. So yeah. we're all like slowing down <laughs> sales and stocking up or we're, we're telling customers, hey, it's going to take a week extra. So yeah. we're all doing that. And then the pandemic hits and we're like, okay, maybe it'll go away in a week. It's like two weeks now. We're like, okay, maybe it'll go away in three, three, four, five. And we're like, when is this thing going to go away? Yeah. And then like, I'd say like a two, three months in, everything kind of just was like stable. Now everyone's still purchasing things. 
Black Friday is probably going to be pretty big this year because Jeff Bezos went from like 110 billion to 120 billion or to 200 billion or something insane. So that's yeah. kind of proof e-commerce is still working just because of that fact people are still buying stuff. Yeah. So I'd say right now as we speak, people can resist when they see a good product. I you know, people see something nice, they're like, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get this. So I'd say right now as we're speaking, everything's still good to go. Just don't focus too much on external factors. Just keep testing and just view what the stat statistics are telling you, right? So if you're mm -hmm. testing like 50 different products and literally none of them work, either it could be the the pandemic or it's just what you're testing. So I'd say it isn't affecting too much. Just just be wary of certain things and just remember people are on a limited budget at some times. So you really have to make your offer stand out versus someone else's versus competitors. And yeah, that's my advice. Basically. So. Yeah. Yeah. Really good advice for sure. Yeah. I mean, that's good to know. And, you know, things happen and basically now there's more people shopping online than, uh, than it was in the past. I mean, already there was a trend of buying behaviors, you know, increasing more online as opposed to going to the physical stores. And now what we saw, you know, you know, as, as things started that now, you know, majority of people, they're at home, they're, or even during the quarantine and they're buying things online. Uh, but yeah, I remember that, that, that period of, you know, we went from Chinese new year to, you know, COVID. And then we saw, you know, suppliers taking like 60 days to <laughs> ship a product. It was, it was a crazy, crazy times for sure, man. So, um, one of the questions that I have, so like now as you're kind of, uh, you know, running your business, you're 18. Uh, so what does a day in your life look like now as you're kind of going uh, day to day? Yeah. So I've been in quarantine for like, I don't even know how long, like one year. So, <laughs> so I'd say uh, a lot of it involves like checking up on daily processes and systems. So it's like checking with the team, checking with the supplier, checking my calendar, checking the ads, checking the actual funnel, making sure there's nothing screwed up. Like your site isn't turned upside down with the font backwards. That happens sometimes. I've seen it. So just really just double checking everything, making sure things are working smoothly. Um, mm -hmm. Honestly, this, this depends per person. So like I have like an exact format I follow. I would have to pull it up, but it's like step one, check with the supplier. Step, step two, check this, this, this. That's the mm -hmm. first thing I do. Then the second thing, it's just kind of like, few hours of work so depends on what i have for the day if i'm feeling hey let's go launch a new product then i spend the whole day working on a store if it involves hey i'm going to learn how to scale up today from sam ovens or whatever i'm going to learn inputs outputs processes whatever then that's for the yeah. day so i'd really say it's really unstable just depends per day honestly depends on how the world's working um so yeah there, there is some form of system but at the same time it's really messy and yeah i'd, I'd say a lot of people can agree it's not like step one do this step two, step three every single day. But yeah. uh, if you're beginning out, I think your day is going to look a lot like step one, do customer support. Step two, you know, make sure fulfill orders if you need to. Step three, uh, run ads. Step four, launch a new product, whatever, whatever. So for beginners, that's what it's going to look like probably just day in, day out. Don't get sick yeah. of it. Just got it. Um, but for more advanced people, it's really, really hectic, I'd say. Like, you know. Yeah, you know, yeah no, I like the way your mind works for sure. And you actually reminded me um, and this was recommended to me actually when I did the interview with uh, Jim Edwards. He was like the author of Copywriting Secrets, but he recommended this book. Uh, it's a tool one day. It's called uh, the Checklist Manifesto. The Checklist yeah, yeah, Manifesto, yeah. and uh, 
it was like the importance of, of checklists and getting, you know, getting things through, but you start applying that and it, it just flows, especially when you have the mind of systematizing things. Um, so I could tell like just the way you described, you know, your day, like you're, you're checking off uh, these things and you know that you're, yeah. you're staying productive. So hopefully the audience is catching on to that. Uh, yeah. And another quick tip, this is like more external, but I'd say a lot of e-commerce is external. You got to really like have systems in place, have backup USB drives and all this stuff for all your like files and whatnot. But um, if you go to 16personalities.com, take a test, see what your personality is, and you can determine how you should think based off that. Like for me, I like checklists and I like just checking things off. I like really like seeing progress on like my notes or whatever. Uh-huh. So that's just kind of how I work. And yeah. I know you mentioned that with checklists. Uh, some people might work well with a reverse checklist where it's like what not to do that day. So really, really <laughs> determine who you are and then just uh, yeah. base your actual productivity off that. And then yeah. actually the second thing is like have a legitimate reason. Like, you know, don't be like, all right, I'm going to go buy the biggest Gucci belt tomorrow. That's my why. <laughs> like, when you buy the belt, you'd be like, I got the belt. <laughs> Time to shut down all my stores and retire. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. And and I just picked up on one thing here because I'd noticed this as well. I like that uh, how you've been saying like the reverse checklist or the reverse uh, flywheel that you mentioned. So I like the way your mind's working. Like, you know, you know, the steps that are going to be leading to more productivity and results that you want. But you also are mindful of what are those steps or behaviors that can lead you down the negative path if, if, you know, so does your mind kind of keeping track of both as, uh, as you're. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a lot of like subconscious stuff. I'm not like actively like what's the reverse engineering. <laughs> of this <and> that? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I think a lot of it is like audits in general. So uh-huh. one thing I do every single week and every single month is like, I'll run malware softwares on my computer and whatnot. It's just like a lot of just making sure that you do audits every, on everything. So like every day, even that's what like my checklist is for basically, or every week go through your supply chain, determine, okay, what are the ads looking like? Uh, how much are we spending this week? How much should we project in uh, cost of goods? Uh, let's go talk to the supplier. Let's have like different chats for like suppliers, for new products, for uh, invoices, all, all these different things. So mm-hmm. I'd say a lot of it is just like understanding the, it's like uh, what Elon Musk talks about first principles. It's just about breaking down a certain thing. I, there's a great video on this. If you Google Elon Musk uh, first principles, he talks about like breaking down a battery. Like someone says, batteries are so expensive. And he goes, okay, what makes up a battery? There's lithium, XYZ, whatever. So if we take all these parts and make a new battery, it's cheaper. So it's not this, this, and this. But uh, that's just how I work personally. I like breaking things down and just like seeing all the different components and just putting it back together. That's just yeah. how I work. Some people yeah. might just really like taking things and just doing them again to like copy paste. That works really well as well. And uh, yeah, that's just what I would say there. That's Which awesome, man. Doing. Yeah, for sure. And uh, it even makes me think, man, I was like, man, you just turned 18 and your mind's, you know, working and crushing this way. Uh, I think it's just really awesome. I think you got a big future ahead of you. So for the audience listening, and actually that reminds me, you know, what's, what's the best way for the audience to, to follow you? Yeah, yeah, I would say the absolute best way, and I answer basically all my DMs, is on Instagram at, at R-D-I-F-Y. At okay. R-D-I-F-Y. Yeah, we'll be sure to leave that in the show notes as well as uh, uh, all the other references that uh, Raghav has, has mentioned here. Um, but really awesome. And, and I see we're coming close to the hour, so I want to be respectful of your time as well. But I feel like 
we could be talking for hours on, on things for sure. sure. Like sure. <laughs> it's great stuff, but I want to give you a chance to leave some closing remarks with the audience. So I'll let you take it away. Yeah. Appreciate the entire interview it was great talking with you and being able to at least give some people advice. And yeah, I'd say the closing statement would be don't focus too much on the nitty gritty when you're starting out, really focus on the three things that I think are the, are crucial to your success. A, really focus on the product. That's probably the most important thing. Number two, really focus on the creatives. And number three, really, really focus on the actual the store you've built. And the second piece of advice I leave is if you focus too much on what everyone else is doing, you'll get really demotivated because you see everyone crushing it. Just keep in mind, like I know this is really cliche, but no one shows their losses on social media. So it's kind of like a highlight reel of everyone's life. Very cliche, but it's very true at the same time. So when you're looking at like, someone who's doing 100k a day and you're like wow i wish i could go there you can go there it's not that difficult i've done like 60 grand in a day you know but basically <laughs> when you're at that point like you'll, you'll realize okay doing these numbers isn't that difficult but it's like okay what built up to getting to these numbers so you don't see any of like the, all the customer support issues all the fulfillment issues and all these problems so just really focus on what you're doing and take others as inspiration don't rely too heavily on them and don't take others advice to heart either just really build your own path. That's the best advice I would give. And yeah. And, and remember, if you're under 18, you have a lot ahead of you. Really start researching credit cards, bank accounts, how to use your social security. Just research everything you can because you'll you'll learn that everyone, when they're under 18, they think they're hot shit. I personally, I did. Um, and then you turn 18 and you realize there's this whole entire world out there. And yeah, that's my yeah. best. Awesome stuff, man. You dropped a lot of value for sure. And we'll keep in touch for sure. And I'd say, is it cool to follow up with you maybe later in the year, see how things are going? Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Awesome, brother. All right, Regav. Well, thanks, man. Thanks for being on the show. Appreciate it. Appreciate the opportunity. Have a nice night. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Tech Money Talks podcast. It's officially sponsored by Spotify and Anchor FM. If you want to learn how to make money with no money, then go to dropshipbyphone.com. Go to dropshipbyphone.com. Be on the fast track to starting your own business. You can work with me personally. It's my dropship funnels done for you service. I work with you one-on-one to build your own store and get your very own sales fast in dropshipping. You can go to dropshipfunnels.com to find out more information.